Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Welcome back to the construction site. This month we're talking about behind the scenes of a construction site, but today is a special day because our topic for discussion is giving back to ultimately build up from Nehemiah chapter 5 in its entirety. A hero of mine by the name of Andrew Young, he's, he once said this, in a sane, civil, intelligent, and moral society, you don't blame poor people for being poor. Poor people are found on our streets, beneath our bridges, in some of our classrooms and schools, and sadly, many of us overlook them daily. We don't usually wonder or even ask about their story, where they came from, or anything else. If the truth be told right now, we tend to view those who may be poor as the blemish or blemishes of the world. Never taking into account that all it takes is a certain number of tragic experiences and we too could find ourselves with no home, no money, and no access to the creature comforts that many of us so freely enjoy. And as we often overlook those who are poor or homeless, I want you to know something. God pays attention to all of us. And if God pays attention to all of us, guess what? We should pay attention to all of us. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about, how Nehemiah actually lasered in on those who were being exploited and oppressed. You see, some backdrop or some background to Nehemiah 5 is this. You, Jerusalem, is in the process of being rebuilt. They're in their own bit of a construction site. But their society is experiencing some challenging economic times. But I want you to blend Nehemiah's words with J.K. Rowling's words. As she says, if you want to see the true measure of a man or woman, watch how they treat their inferiors not their equals. Friends, we will find that truth evident right here in the text because Nehemiah shows us that our blessings do not come without hardship, but also responsibility. Our blessings do not come without hardship, yes, but also some responsibility. So it's around 445 BC. The wall of Jerusalem is being rebuilt Oppressors are alive and well and people are crying and some people are fighting. Some at this construction site, however, are crying out saying our families must get food and we must get food to stay alive. If we don't get food soon, we will die. On top of that, the situation gets worse because some people are so desperate at this moment that they're mortgaging their fields and their vineyards and homes just so they can have food for their families to live during this rough time. Oh, but friends, if that didn't pierce your heart and start the, the tear ducts from 
starting to flow and getting your tears to start crying. I want you to add some gasoline to this situation and watch it become an inferno because in Nehemiah chapter five, verses four through five, it details more of this tragic scene. The text says, still, others were saying we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews and through our children, and although their good is theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Hear that. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. Friends, you've heard a bunch about Nehemiah, right? We've heard much about the wall that Nehemiah built, but we never really talk about the social reform that Nehemiah led. See, this is far from a good situation. But if you have a hard time empathizing with those who are crying out in the text, journey with me to our world's reality. I want you to think about the family who lost their job during the shutdown due to COVID-19 and have lost their home and the life that they knew. If you have a hard time empathizing, think about those who are in debt to predatory lenders and what they make does not align with what needs to be paid. If you have a hard time empathizing, think about the many evictions that happen daily, the lack of access to health care daily, the lack of child care daily. And then, my friends, you may quite understand what's happening in the text. I want you to think about those living in food deserts who don't have many options of what they are able to eat. And then and then and then, my friends, you may understand the emotions of these individual families and what they are experiencing at the time of this narrative. See, this is why they are crying out to Nehemiah, asking, my brother, is there anything you can do about our suffering and our pain and our oppression and our exploitation? We need this to stop. We don't need it to stop tomorrow. We need it to stop today. And hearing the exploitation of the poor and how they've had to sell their lands, their vineyards, Nehemiah is filled with holy anger. He's not like much of the church today that just says, I'll just pray about it and it'll all be well. But in turn, he prays, yes, but his prayers lead him to action. Listen to what Nehemiah does beginning in verse seven. The text says, I pondered them in my mind, the poor people he's speaking of, and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interests. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them. And said, as far as possible, we have brought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they didn't have anything to say. Y'all hear that? Nehemiah continues by telling the nobles and the officials at this very large gathering that what they are doing is just not right. He reminds them that they should be walking in the ways of God, not exploiting others just so you can have more. He then steps up to provide a solution to the problem. He says, these people need help right now. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sacrifice grain and give it to everybody who has been oppressed, everybody who has been exploited. And I'm going to tell you, you need to stop charging interest immediately to these people. Nehemiah tells these officials at this large gathering that I know you think you're high and mighty, but right now give back to them immediately 
their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves and their houses, and also the interest that you are charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and oil. See, if you haven't caught this by now, this is what leadership that evokes change looks like. This is godly leadership in action where those in authority actually care about the least of these. Hear me. This is what God envisions in our world today, where we fight for the voiceless, where we care about those who are oppressed and where we learn to hear, not overlook the cries of those in need. See, Nehemiah, my brother and sister that's watching this, Nehemiah could have turned a deaf ear to the situation of the poor. But instead, he understood that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You see, Nehemiah understood that if he expected for these people in Jerusalem to continue working together to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, it would take harmony, not conflict, to achieve this goal. So he had the courage, friends, to stand up even when it was uncomfortable the courage to say something even when it was tempting to remain silent because he understood that this is what God calls us to do. (laughs) Friends, and this is an example that we need to follow right now where we speak up against racism, where we speak up against sexism, where we speak up against ageism, where we speak up against the systems that are halting and putting the foot of those on the oppressor is putting it on somebody's neck. We need to speak up. Why? Because it's just not right. Friends, I know someone may lie to you and tell you that social justice is not in the Bible. Well, friends, help me reconcile what Nehemiah's doing right here in the text, because it looks like to me that Nehemiah, yes, is building a wall, but yes, Nehemiah is standing up for the least of these. And I believe the half-brother of Jesus followed this same sentiment. In James chapter 1, verse 27, these are James's words. James says that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Mm-hmm. Friends, that's biblical. That's not my opinion. It's our responsibility, friends, as Nehemiah models, to care and to speak up for those who are at a disadvantage in our world. You should not be able to see somebody in need and say, hmm, so glad that's not my situation. Because the goal is for us to give back to those in need to ultimately build them up to where God wants them to be. But friends, Look at what happens after Nehemiah courageously stands up to these officials in verse 12. Nehemiah says, you got to stand up and you got to stand up now. (laughs) You've got to give this back and you got to give this back now. And then look at the effect that happens. The people, the nobles and the officials says, we will give it back and we will not demand anything more of them. We will do as you say, Nehemiah. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, in this way, may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. At this, the whole assembly said, amen, and praised the Lord. And the people did just as they had promised. Friends. 
I'm sure it was quite challenging for my brother Nehemiah to stand up against his leader friends. <laughs> but when you follow God, even in uncertain situations, God always manifests his greatness. <laughs> See, Nehemiah lived risky in his faith. He lived risky and followed God from believing that God had given him this burden to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Nehemiah lived risky and followed God against the oppression of other leaders. Nehemiah in this current situation has no clue what could or could not happen if he speaks up for the poor. He could lose many workers if he spoke up. He may lose the popularity contest if he spoke up. He could not be liked very much. However, he throws all of the shoulda, coulda, wouldas in the trash can and he speaks up even if his voice was shaking because he does what God tells him to do. And by following God, change happened. So the question is that we need to apply to our life and stop dancing around it. What are you remaining silent on where God has released you to speak? Is it advocating for the poor? Is it fighting against racism? Is it fighting against systemic change, maybe? Or fighting for it? See, our world would be so much better If we, like Nehemiah, start speaking up for what matters and stop fighting for what does not. Nehemiah spoke up for the poor because the poor matters to God and thus the poor should matter to us. But Nehemiah, he did not fight for his own pride. He didn't fight for his own comfort. He placed his attention on what mattered. And we must learn to do exactly the same. Friends, our pride really doesn't matter. Our comfort is not always the top priority. Our prestige is really not the main goal. But the dignity of every single individual, no matter their socioeconomic class, no matter their ethnicity, no matter their awkwardness, no matter where they are from, no matter what it is, all of God's children deserve to live in a world where they are not exploited, where we are not oppressed, but that we may be built up to be exactly what God intends for us to be. Nehemiah gives back in grain, in dignity, in finances to ultimately build up those who are without. And this continues in verse 14. We hear this from the text that moreover, from the 20th year, King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, Until his 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. Please hear that. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for work. We did not acquire any land. Hear that. Nehemiah shows us that as God blesses us, we in turn should give that blessing back to somebody else so that they may be built up and not torn down. Nehemiah is eventually elevated to the office of governor 
but he does not take the steak, the wine, the grain. He doesn't take all of what he could have. Instead, he gives it back to the people because he realizes that people should not be exploited just for him to live in abundance. My God, <laughs> you got to hear that because wouldn't our world be a better place if we had selfless leaders who modeled what Nehemiah just did in this text? Could not your environment be a better place if you modeled in some way what Nehemiah has done in this text? Friends, too often, many of us reach a point of arrival and we forget how turbulent the process was before God blessed us with our current blessing. Hear me that pride is destructive. <laughs> I know pursuing God may not be the most popular option, but it can positively affect the lives of others as well as yours. Nehemiah sacrifices his comfort for the people to have. And in verse 19, he prays a very simple prayer. Lord, remember me. One thing you can count on is that God will always honor your faithfulness. Faithfulness may be challenging to God, but if you can trust that you are working for God and not people, then guess what? Your faithfulness meter will always be all the way up. Nehemiah gives back to rebuild the confidence of the people, the wealth of the people. But ultimately, through his actions, he points people to God. And guess what? He builds the faith of the people. I want you to know that sacrifice is hard work, but sacrificing is heart work. And I compare it to giving an important organ from your body to somebody else just so they can live. When I think about that, it was in 2015 that singer and actress Selena Gomez was diagnosed with cancer. Well, excuse me, with lupus, not cancer. And with that, it graduated in a couple of years to it actually being where she needed a kidney transplant. Her best friend, Francia, stepped up to the plate and sacrificed by giving Selena one of her kidneys in order for Selena to live a more healthier life. Catch this. That's a picture of friendship. But it's also a picture of sacrificial love. The action of giving up something for someone else to have is what God calls us to. Nehemiah does this in Jerusalem. Francia did this to Selena, but guess who else did it? Jesus. Jesus gave his life just for us to have. He gave his body just so we could have. The nails in his hands and feet were, he okayed that just so we could have. Friends, I tell you today that this is the mission of God. This is the mission that we should follow, that maybe you don't give a kidney, but you can relinquish some of your comfort. Maybe you don't give nails in your hands, but you can relinquish your comfort for people to have and to make this world a better place. So as we end today, we combine everything we talked about from Nehemiah 5 into this, a very short sentence. It's that our love for God should set in motion our love and care for others. Our love for God should set in motion our love and our care for others. 
Friends, if you ever have a hard time caring for somebody else, I just want you to reflect on how Jesus cares about you. And if by chance you don't know Jesus, I invite you right now to come into relationship with Jesus. You can do that by simply repeating a prayer after me. You can do it right from wherever you may be watching this. And if you're ready, just repeat this prayer and I promise heaven will throw you a party. Let's pray together if you're ready. I admit that I mess up, Lord, and I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. And I confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life. In Christ's name, amen. Wherever you're watching this, if you have just repeated that prayer after me, I'm excited about it. I know heaven is excited about it. And I know your faith journey will continue in excellence of just about that prayer. And so, friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, you want to know what it means, or if you have any questions or any prayer requests, feel free to email us at altogether at spdl.org. Friends, if you'd like to give into this ministry, you can by going to spdl.org, and the giving option is there. My friends, I want you to know something. The next time you see somebody in need, yes, pray for them, but guess what? If you can, care for them do something about it because our love for God should set in motion our love and our care for others. Be blessed and have a great week. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.